0: This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 90 of the Catholic Foodie, Father Abraham at your service. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and, you know, today we're talking about bar food, (laughs) bar food vinegar, and Father Abraham serving dinner to the poor man, Lazarus. You know, bar food, whether you're at the bar with friends watching your favorite football team crush their opponents or just hanging out with friends for a few beers, when you're at the bar, bar food is essential. Pretzels, peanuts, hot wings, not today. Nope, today we have, or we're going to get creative with our bar food. Also, I've got 12 things you can do with vinegar that you may never have thought of before. Right here, the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Also, we've got Sarah Reinhardt today, and she's going to ask us a question. The question is, to apron or not to apron? <laughs> That's in our Mary in the Kitchen segment, and she encourages us to laugh along with her, so I can't wait for that. Oh, my goodness. Lots of things going on today, y'all. The Saints lost. I can't believe it. The Saints lost to the Falcons. Um, man, they just made a few really dumb decisions. You know, and that's kind of like life. You know, a lot of times we just make really dumb decisions. We're smart people that make dumb decisions. I don't know if you feel that way, but I certainly do from time to time. Actually, probably more often than not, I feel that way. Uh, Right here in the beginning, a special thank you to DivineOffice.org, the sponsors of today's show. You know, I prayed uh, morning prayer this morning. I just want to tell you kind of a special secret here. I don't know if you know this. If you do pray the Divine Office, uh, using the Divine Office, uh, either the iPhone app or online, right there, online at divineoffice.org for free, uh, or the podcast that they produce. You can find that on iTunes. Just search for Divine Office. If um, if you do pray it, you know this, but on Sundays, the Divine Office is chanted. That's right, chanted, kind of like monastic chant. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. I can't tell you how beautiful it is. And today was an awesome, awesome preparation for us for a very holy and solemn Eucharistic celebration with our Archbishop here, the Archbishop of New Orleans, Archbishop Gregory Amon. So, uh, you know, if you haven't yet checked out the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, please do so. It's a wonderful way of prayer. You can go to divineoffice.org and you'll find out all about it. And you can even walk right there. You walk; They walk you right through with text and audio in praying, morning, evening prayer, night prayer, uh, the office of readings, the invitatory of the day, all kind of good stuff. So, divineoffice.org. Here we are in the beginning of the show. We're going to start with our prayers, our before meals prayer. And once again, this week it is going to be based on the readings from the Mass. Lord Jesus, the prophet Amos, and the evangelist Luke remind us today that you love the poor. And that we should too. Lord, you know how infrequently we think of the poor. The closest we may ever get to the poor is passing the poor box in the back of church as we leave Mass to go home. Help us, Lord Jesus, to remember that we are the poor. We are only beggars at the door of your heart. Give us a greater awareness of the poor and our responsibility toward them. Help us to give of our time and of our treasure to meet you, Jesus, in the many poor men and women in our community. Bless the food, Lord, that you have blessed us with, and bless those who go without today. May they be blessed through us and through all who make up your body, the church. Amen. I'd
1: like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar
0: on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode.
1: But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and i like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I'll have what she's having.
0: Well, today we're going to have as our, uh, just a little reflection here on the prayer and on the readings from Mass, a uh, very short reflection today, I just wanted to, uh, to bring a few things to your attention. Beautiful, beautiful readings today, kind of challenging too, from Amos, the prophet Amos in chapter 6, and also Luke chapter 16, where he talks about the story of Father Abraham and Lazarus. Actually, the, the title of the story, I believe, is The Rich Man and Lazarus. You uh, probably remember that story. You have a rich man who is comfortable has nice food uh, to to enjoy in his life, has uh, leisure time. He doesn't have to go and do a whole lot of uh, menial or manual labor. And he's just enjoying life, having a good time. And there's a beggar with sores all over his body right outside his door. And this rich man does not even pay notice to him, hardly notices him at all. And the poor man, of course, is begging uh, from the rich man uh, just for the scraps that fall from his table. And he gets no acknowledgment, no acknowledgment. So we when you look at that reading and you kind of pair it up with what is being said in uh, the prophet Amos today, you get one word that kind of jumps out at you, at least it does for me, and that word is complacency, complacency where we just get very, very comfortable. And in Amos, you see this happening. God is basically through the prophet Amos, God is is uh, um, kind of chastising, or really chastising, the people which he entitled the complacent. He calls them the complacent. Okay, woe to the complacent, or those who are complacent. And then he goes to this list of things where you know you've enjoyed uh, nice clothes, and you you enjoy nice food, and you enjoy um, uh, wine to drink out of bowls. You enjoy all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, you know, you have people who are going without. You don't care for the orphan and the widow. You don't do anything. You know, it, it's like all, all this stuff, you, you, you feel so comfortable, but you know what? One day you will not be comfortable. It's Kind of what he's saying there in Amos. And you see the same story, the same thing, the same message right there in Luke chapter 16. When Lazarus dies, where does he go? It says he goes to the bosom of Abraham. All right, Father Abraham goes to the bosom of Abraham. He's in heaven. In other words, he is there in heaven and he's enjoying the banquet of heaven. He's enjoying the fine food. He is enjoying the, the fellowship with uh, all the saints, all the holy people there in heaven and the good people, right? The good people, the holy people in heaven and with God. And that's all kind of represented in the, in the story by Father Abraham. What happens to the rich man? The rich man dies and finds himself in hell. And it, it just calls it a place of torment, right? He's in hell and it's hot. And you, can, you get that imagery there of hell being fire and fiery and it's hot. You know, he's, he's languishing there. And he asks Father, he calls out to Father Abraham, you know, and asks that Lazarus might just dip his finger in cold water and, and give him a drop, just a drop to quench his, his thirst. And there's just so much that could be said there. By the way, so much that could be said there, but we we can't. We don't have time today. Uh, but Father Abraham says, "No, you know, it can't happen because there's a chasm between us and you. We cannot pass to your side, and nobody from your side could pass to ours." You know, very good image there of heaven and hell. And it's 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 interesting that the uh, the rich man is there. He's in hell. He's suffering. He says, "Well, look, you know, at least send Lazarus to my uh, to my brothers, right? To my kinfolk, my brothers." on earth send the, send him to them to warn them so that they don't end up like I do, which is interesting because that's like charity that's he's thinking of others that's um interesting how that plays out in the story um uh, but of course Abraham says, you know no that can't do that, can't do that uh and they said, well, he said, well, you know, Abraham says they have the law and the prophets listen to them, the law and the prophets, which basically we understand that today. What does that mean? That's the Bible, folks. That's the Bible. It's the holy scriptures. It's the word of God. And He says, "Let them listen to them." You know, let them listen to the Bible. Let them listen to the scriptures. Let them listen to the revelation that I've already revealed to to the world. And uh, uh, basically, the rich man is saying, "No, no, no, that won't work. <laughs> that won't work." But if they see somebody who comes back to them from the dead. That will work. They will convert. They will change. And Abraham says, uh, no, they won't. You know, if they won't listen to the prophets, if they won't listen to, to Moses and the prophets, uh, then they won't listen even if somebody comes back from the dead, which, interestingly enough, uh, Jesus does rise again, right? Comes back from the dead. And, uh, you know, even today, even after the resurrection, you have lots of folks, lots of people who do not believe. So what, what Abraham is pointing out here, and what Jesus points out by this story, is that why would why would the rich man first of all he doesn't take notice of Lazarus, and why would his brothers not convert, not take notice and want to change when they see someone come back from the dead? And it comes back to that one word complacency. Complacency. We get comfortable. We get comfortable. Uh, You know, it's it's interesting. We've talked about this in the past. You go to hospitals, everything is so sanitized. Everything is so clean. Uh, You go to funerals today. Everything is so nice and clean and pretty. It's kind of like putting a pretty face on death. You know, we don't don't really see what it is. And we kind of become complacent. One thing that I've noticed in my own life when I go to funerals, it really brings home the fact that, you know, one day I'm going to be in that coffin. That's going to be me. And it really kind of hits home when I go to funerals, which is one reason, believe it or not, why I love to go to funerals. I'm not, you know, I'm sad that people die, but I do believe that it's good for us to remember that we will die. It will be our turn one day. Kind of keeps us, I, I guess, in a right perspective with God. Um, but we kind of sanitize that too. We sanitize death. We make it pretty, and so it, it can it can allow us this prettying up of death, this prettying up of sickness. It, the pretty end up of poverty, right? We kind of push poverty out of the way. We put it in a different area of the city, you know, or we have the police uh, uh, sweeping the streets and clearing off all the people who, uh, you know, are, are homeless. We we kind of put all that out of sight so that we don't have to change, so that it doesn't affect us. It doesn't touch our hearts. We kind of put that out of the way. But what God is saying to us, both through Amos and, and, and in Luke, is that, hey hey, you know, you are part of the body of Christ. You are the church. You are brothers and sisters, not only with the you know, middle-class folks that sit next to you in church or the wealthy folks that sit next to you in church. You are brothers and sisters. You are part of the same body as the poor. And you have a responsibility to take care of the poor, as Mother Teresa says, would say, to meet Jesus in the poorest of the poor, that Jesus is there. And so we're called to do that. And that's a hard thing because it means breaking out of our complacency. But what I have noticed, and I've I've shared this the last three episodes or four episodes now, a little reflection on scripture. And I I share this because I think that is one of the primary ways that we can break out of our own complacency. The word of God, right? The word of God, sharper than any two edged sword. This word is effective. It doesn't just it's not just like reading a newspaper. It actually does what it says. It does. God talks to us through his word. That prophetic word can actually change our lives. Reading that, reading from Amos chapter 6, reading the story of uh, the rich man and Lazarus, the poor man, in Luke chapter 16 can change our lives. That, I think, is one of the best ways to do it. And another way is just to get out and to see the poor or to actually start giving money, put money in that poor box when you pass it there in the, uh, on your way into church and your way out, uh, another very good way to remember that, you know, we are all beggars at the heart of Jesus. And, and we, 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 we cannot claim anything as our own when we stand before God. So, just a little reflection today on uh, the readings from Mass. I hope that it is encouraging to you and inspirational. And now we're going to move on to our aperitif and our appetizer segments.
1: True love. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that.
0: Yes, honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. <sniffs> They're so perky. I love that. Well, today we're going to combine our aperitif and appetizer segments. Uh, Instead of talking about uh, beer and cocktails and all the good stuff, wine that we normally talk about during the aperitif segment, we're going to talk about making uh, our bar food a little more creative. Creative bar food. And I'm getting this, by the way. These aren't all my ideas. I wish I could take credit, but I can't. You know, I I subscribe to Bon Appetit magazine, and uh, this was some some ideas, uh, some thoughts that they shared in uh, September, the September issue of Bon Appetit. And actually, it was, uh, let's see, page 118. Page 118, it talks about uh, bar food. And it's eating at the bar. That is the name of the article. Matter of fact, it is. you can find it online. I'll I'll have a link to it in the show notes at catholicfoodie.com. And they list 10, 10 uh, uh, bars, 10 places where you can find really good Creative bar food, but I want to share with you. I want to share with you just um, three, three of these ideas which I thought looked so good. The first one, and you know, of course, you know, typical, typical bar food: peanuts, um, pretzels, hot wings. Those are things you typically would find. Popcorn. Some places will have popcorn for bar food, and usually, if you we're talking bar food, we're talking about things that are you know, uh, uh, bar like lounge, bar, restaurant type things. So restaurants really do offer a lot more in the area of food, but maybe you're going to have um, folks over to your house for a cocktail hour or something like that. This may be an idea or two for you. Um, so the first one I would like to uh, to share with you is called it's flatbread with arugula, asparagus, and fried eggs. Now this comes from Baltimore's B&O American Brasserie. Okay. Let me read to you a little bit about this. This is incredible. Let me tell you what's in it, first of all. Okay, you've got, uh, let's see, fresh spinach, uh, arugula, fresh arugula leaves, uh, extra virgin olive oil, garlic cloves, coarsely chopped. That's always good. You get to bite into some some, uh, big chunk of garlic, you know, coarsely chopped. Uh, Some water. You're going to have water you're going to use in here, of course, because you've got to make the crust. This is like a, uh, a flatbread, kind of like a, a pizza. You also have honey. That's very good. Uh, active dry yeast. Three cups of all-purpose flour. You have coarse kosher salt, which we use here at the house all the time. Cornmeal for sprinkling. Eight ounces of fingerling potatoes cooked, cooled, cut crosswise, cut crosswise into half-inch slices. You have eight ounces of asparagus and the asparagus is a thin stalk cut into half inch pieces and a thick stalk would be cut into a quarter to a half inch piece okay so if you have any thick ones you're going to cut those a little bit smaller you have two large ears of corn husked and kernels cut from the cobs Uh, You have fresh peas or frozen peas. If you don't have fresh ones, you get those and just thaw them out. Uh, Ricotta cheese, eight large eggs, and then some Parmesan cheese. You can do that as shavings, not grated. And you also need a a mixing stand. I've also they they recommend a mixing stand with uh, with a hook attached. I do it by hand, though. I love to do uh, uh, doughs by hand. Anyway, you're basically making a pizza and you're taking those toppings and throwing it on top and you're going to stick that in the oven. It's just little pizzas, you know. They're they're small. They're not big. Matter of fact, with the three cups of flour you have here, uh, you can make four flatbreads, which they're saying is about eight servings. So uh, very nice, very nice. A very savory, I believe. A very savory dish. And they recommend, Bon Appetit recommends... That you pair this with um, you pair this with a Pinot noir, very nice red wine, a Pinot noir and uh, the picture is gorgeous. it's gorgeous. it's got that arugula spread on top. you got those little uh, those pieces of asparagus. Uh, you have two fried eggs right there on top of the uh, right there on top of the, the flat bread and those little chunks of tomato uh, potato. I mean it's it's something different but hey, it sounds good to me. And then finally, one that's more along the lines of that uh, artery clogging type bar food. This is fried bread and butter pickles with Green Goddess dressing. This is from McCready's in Charleston, South Carolina. Now you know I have to tell you they, all, all this stuff with these sauces. I love sauces, good sauces. Oh man, I love that. So McCready's, I said McCready's, did I, I say I'm sorry, McCready's. And uh, you've got the bread and butter pickles, of course. And what you're basically doing is you're just going to, you're just going to have, we got this, um, oh, what do you call it, Uh, a a batter, a batter that you put the pickles in. You're going to fry those up. And this is is what's in the sauce, okay? This is good. You've got cream fresh, chopped fresh Italian parsley, chopped green chives, uh, chopped green onions, lemon juice, fresh lemon juice, white wine vinegar, uh, anchovy fillets, which uh, chopped, by by the way, I would <laughs> uh, I'd probably leave those out. I'm sorry to say, or, or maybe I'm not. Sorry. But uh, mayonnaise, you also have uh, salt and cayenne pepper. Got to love that. Buttermilk, uh, hot pepper sauce, maybe like a, a Tabasco or Crystal, something like that that I would use down here. Uh jar, a 14-ounce jar of bread and butter pickles, drained and patted dry, you also need some yellow cornmeal of course to make this uh uh the the uh, i'm forgetting the word the batter uh even if it's a dry a dry batter uh black pepper freshly ground and uh some vegetable oil for frying now i will use i would definitely use vegetable oil for this particular recipe since I would be deep frying and this makes about uh thirty okay thirty of these pickles, which I guess is what you would find in a 14-ounce jar. And uh, that green goddess dressing, though, oh, my goodness, that sounds good. So you can find this. I've got a link to the Bon Appetit uh, recipe right there over at CatholicFoodie.com slash Father Abraham. And if you do make any of these, let me know how it comes out. I would love to know that. You can give me a call at 985-635-4974. Or email me at Jeff at Wow, something smells good. Those uh goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goodie lady. My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a uh, it's like a uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate dicing between very it's good. Uh, it's very good. All right, folks, we got a uh, in our in our health segment. Our health segment is not going to be really be health. It's going to be just some tips, you know, that I just discovered. Once again, it was in another issue. Actually, it's online. You can find that over there also at com. It's online right now if you go check it out right now. Uh, I don't know how long it'll be there though, so I'm gonna send you a link. Put you a link once again in the show notes. Uh, we're talking about 12 unexpected ways to use vinegar, and I want to share this with you because it kind of floored me. Some of the things they talked about, I was like, "Wow, really? I didn't know that. That's great." Uh, first of all, vinegar. We're talking about just white distilled vinegar, just regular old vinegar, and uh, some of the things that they that they bring up here really amazing. Uh, weed killer. Weed killer, vinegar you could use as a weed killer. Now I think, I'm not sure, but I think using vinegar would actually be cheaper than buying those uh, those commercial weed killers that you pick up at uh, your, your hardware store. I uh, could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure vinegar is not that expensive. Uh, as a flower freshener, and you know, over at Bon Appetit on the website, they do give kind of an explanation here of uh, what the way that it would work. And uh, right here for a flower freshener, it says add 2 tablespoons of vinegar and 2 of sugar to the water in the vase. The acid will prevent the submerged stems from rotting. So it's kind of like a preservative, I guess, for your flowers. That's really, really cool. You can use it as a toilet bowl cleaner. Oh, my goodness. Toilet bowl cleaner. (laughs) Uh, Two cups. Two cups of straight vinegar and let it sit for 30 minutes. Scrub the bowl with your toilet brush. Works just as well as those blue gels, but it won't slowly poison your toilet water drinking dog. Think about that. Hmm, you got a toilet water drinking dog? Then this may help. Uh, that's a great idea. Great idea. Now, this one I thought was kind of. <laughs> I, I saw this, I said, no way. No way. A skunk deodorant. Can you believe that? Skunk deodorant. Speaking of your naughty dog, vinegar can remove the stench of skunk from dog fur when Fido has been poking around where he shouldn't be. Simply pour full-strength vinegar all over the dog's coat, rub it in, and then rinse. And uh, she makes note here, the woman's name, I'm going to get it to you in a second. Uh, She makes note here, too, that uh, tomato juice works for the same purpose. Isn't that amazing? Her name, her name is Lily Fink Harrington. So Lily Fink Harrington, this is the one who came up with this list of 12 unexpected ways to use vinegar. Uh, Glue removers, number five. Uh, Apparently it breaks up glue, that's pretty cool. Pain reliever, if you get stung by a bee or bitten by a mosquito or a spider, apply vinegar to the wound to relieve the pain or itching. Cool. Rust remover. Do your tools have rust on them? Well, you should take better care of them, first of all. But in the meantime, vinegar can remove the rust from tools. Now, someone had actually told me about this, but I have to admit I've never tried it. So that may be something that I'll have to try in the near future since I do have a few tools and a bike that needs a little de-rusting. A uh, microwave degunker. I never heard of a degunker. But that's pretty cool. Microwave D Gunker says, "I bet the inside of your microwave has seen better days." To easily clean it, put a bowl with half a cup of vinegar, one cup of water inside, and bring it to a boil. All the grossness will be loosened up, and any food odors will be gone. Or ganezo is what it says. Ganezo, Gonezo? Gonezo? <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to be funny here. A buttermilk maker, buttermilk maker, who buys buttermilk instead when a recipe calls for it? Make buttermilk by adding a tablespoon of vinegar to a cup of regular milk. Give it five minutes to thicken, and voila. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that is a food substitution, which is a suggestion that uh, Sarah Reinhard asked me to uh, to talk about uh, in the near future is, you know, different substitutions that you could do for foods if a recipe calls for something and you don't have it. What can you do? What can you substitute? This is a great one for buttermilk. Wow. I never never knew that. Good stuff. Hiccup suppressing. I thought you were supposed to breathe into a bag or scare somebody, but this is what she says. She says, you know, once I thought a stack of gorgeous, uh, I bought a stack of gorgeous prepping uh, nautical navy and white striped beach towels, and before I used them, I threw them in the wash. Oh, that's a wrong one. I'm reading this as for fabric brightener. <laughs> fabric brightener, you could use that. I knew that too. But the hiccup suppressing. It says, you know what? Uh, what's hic the worst <laughs> when you hick Get the hiccups and you can't seem to shake them. (laughs) Anyway, everyone has his or her own cure, but a very effective one is to take a swig of pure vinegar. Oh my goodness. She says it tastes disgusting and it will take the enamel off your teeth if you get the hiccups a lot, but darn if it doesn't work every time. So (laughs) take a swig of... Vod- uh, not vodka, that may work too but take a swig of vinegar oh goodness and this is the last one, I love this I did not know this, but I love it number 12, natural Drano, there's nothing like a smelly kitchen sink drain to take the joy out of cooking to combat that stench, pour a cup of vinegar down uh, down there every couple of weeks or so if you have a garbage disposal, you can make vinegar ice cubes Woo! never thought about that and grind them up down there, it really works. I will have to, matter of fact, I will try that tonight. I will try it tonight, you know, we got a little stink there in the in the uh, in the drain. I can smell it sometimes, and sometimes it's not there, but we normally, what we'll do is we'll take lemon rinds, because we use lemons to make our salad dressings. We'll take the, uh, we just squeeze them, you know. So we'll take those uh, lemon rinds, and we'll just throw it into the disposal, and it gives it a beautiful lemony smell, very fresh, that's what we normally do, but I'm going to try that vinegar today and see how that works. Very cool. That is 12, 12 different ideas, unexpected ways that you could use vinegar, brought to you by Bon Appetit Magazine and, yours truly, the Catholic foodie.
1: Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Rhee. And, and this is, is Mary in the, in the, kitchen, the, kitchen, the kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> One of my favorite blogs recently started a conversation about women wearing pants versus skirts. It was in response to something else posted on the internet saying that women should only wear skirts, and the blogger took a rather humorous take on the rebuttal. I enjoyed that because to me, the eternal tomboy, it is a humorous topic. What I mean is, me in a skirt didn't happen voluntarily until I was well into my 20s. And even then, my husband will tell you that I did a fair amount of kicking and screaming. I did find a lovely dress for my wedding, but there was always a possibility. Making this into a huge debate seems like just the thing for people who don't have two Jack Russell puppies and a couple of small kids. I'm not following all sides of the debate, and honestly... I just don't really care. I laugh about it, as I do about a lot of things, and I ignore the people who get too invested and make me uncomfortable in ways that inspire me to act without charity. Yeah, well, maybe. Don't get too fooled. To me, pants versus skirts isn't a versus thing at all. It's a matter of temperature and comfort and modesty. Sometimes pants win. Sometimes skirts win. Sometimes, my friend, neither one wins, and I don a swimming suit and dive into the cold water. So there. But this whole thing did get me thinking about how what I wear in the kitchen has really taken a turn for... Well, it's just taken a turn for the different over the years. Since I've been blogging, as a matter of fact, I have acquired some essential kitchen duds that really make me happy. I am talking, my friends, about aprons. Yes, yes, now we've lost the men. Hey, hey, you guys, come back. I have sweets and coffee. Don't go yet. I mean, I don't care if you wear an apron or not. Jeff, I leave it to you to offer the male point of view. But I want to give you some pointers. I think an apron has to be attractive. Now, I started to say pretty, but then I remembered that Jeff might wear an apron, and I sort of hope he's not wearing a pretty apron. No offense, I'm just saying. The first apron I got was sent to me in a package, and it came as a set. There was a large version and a miniature version for my then-toddler. We matched! It was great! My mom made them! and they still hang on the hook in my kitchen. In fact, we still wear them, though I'll admit, and I don't think my mom's gonna take any offense, my favorite one is the horsey one made by my friend who operates an Etsy shop by the title of Kitchen Madonna. Don't worry, link will be in the show notes. Great Christmas idea, guys. Next, your apron has to be useful. It needs pockets and it needs to have them in places where you can reach them and use them. It needs to stay out of your way while being right at your fingertips. And, of course, it needs to keep your clothes clean. That is why a clumsy slob like me needs one, after all. That, and because there is always room for fashion in the kitchen. I always feel closer to Mary when I'm wearing my apron. Maybe it's because, like when I'm holding a rosary, there's something for my hands to do, something different about me, something tangible. Maybe it's because I know that the work I do when I'm wearing my apron, from kitchen work to housework, is very similar to what Mary probably did. Maybe it's just a big fat grace in my life, and I'll take that. That's probably the most likely of all of those. I think Mary probably had at least one apron. You might picture her in blue or something sedate, but I like to picture her in a modern kitchen wearing a bright, unexpected color like pink or chartreuse because, well, she could in this day and age. Colors weren't so available back in her day. I like to think of Mary as having a bit of an unexpected side, an ability to surprise us, an unknown set of qualities that contribute to how she can get us to head back to her son. This week, when you're in your kitchen, whether you're making dinner, doing dishes, or just passing through, think of what you can do to pull Mary, and thus her son, closer to you. Say a Hail Holy Queen, and ask her to point you to the graces God has waiting.
0: Thank you so much, Sarah. You know, you can find Sarah over at snoringscholar.com. And Sarah just, man, she just rocks, doesn't she? Awesome stuff, Sarah. Thank you so much. And thank you, too, because you have given me now the idea. I now know what I'm giving you for Christmas, uh, but I'm not going to tell you yet. Just kidding. You're probably going to find out anyway uh, in just a second. You know, aprons are cool, and uh, you're right, you know, you're right. Um, I do wear an apron. Matter of fact, Char has mentioned on many occasions that uh, to other people that the two of us, Char and I, we, more often than not, when we're in the house, we have an apron on. Not the same one. We each have one on. And, uh, (laughs) you know, that is true. Uh, That is true. Uh, I love wearing aprons, and of course, you know they are supposed to keep clothes clean. And uh, you know you got to be styling and profiling at the same time. And I, I typically do, and I'll tell you why. And you know, I, there's a reason why you too can be in the kitchen, styling and profiling with your apron on. And uh, you know how that can be. Well, we do have Catholic foodie aprons. Did you know that? Yes, we do. We have. Catholic Foodie Aprons, and you can get your very own by going to store.catholicfoodie.com store.catholicfoodie.com and, uh, you know, if you were ever at our house, you ever do come by our house, we're probably going to be wearing our aprons, and uh, I think from now on, if you ever go to Sarah's house, or just over there there at Sarah at uh, snoringscholar.com, I'm going to have to get her a picture. She's going to have to take a picture now with a Catholic Foodie Apron, and she's going to have to put it there on the on the website in the sidebar, I uh, hope you hear me there, Sarah. We're gonna get you an apron real soon. It may have to may have to come to you before Christmas. That way, when you're cooking that big old turkey for Thanksgiving, you'll have it. So that's right. You can get your very own Catholic Foodie apron at store.catholicfoodie.com. They are twelve fifty, twelve fifty. So that's uh, very inexpensive for an apron. A very nice, nice apron with that. It's black and it's got that beautiful. Kind of eye-catching, I think. Maybe I'm kind of out of my head. I'm just talking about, you know, something that I only believe, but I think I think it's pretty pretty standard here. You know, pretty attractive logo, don't you think? Don't you think the Catholic Foodie logo, pretty attractive logo there. Kind of eye-catching, you know, Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. You got the bread, the wine, very Eucharistic. Anyway, you have that right there on the apron. So you may want to go check that out. Store.catholicfoodie.com. Also, special thanks to Langeleuse. Cajun band, L'Angeloos, for letting us use their Ave Maria in the show. No dessert today, folks. We are wrapping up the show. I promised last episode a short show, and that did not happen. I got a little carried away. Uh, But from now on, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to narrow it down, kind of cut it down to about 35 minutes or so. Shorter shows, easy for you to listen to, and it gives you more time to contact me after you've listened to it gives gives you more time to to call in feedback, right? 985-635-4974-985-635-4974. 985-635-4974, or email me at Jeff at Catholicfoodie.com. Of course, you're always welcome to go to Catholicfoodie.com and leave comments there on the show notes, on the posts that you find there. Also, you can find us over at Facebook, over at Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. Matter of fact, we got I think uh, five hundred and forty six, five hundred and forty seven, something like that. People who like the Catholic Foodie. So if you haven't, if you have not yet liked the Catholic Foodie on Facebook, you might want to go ahead and do that. Man, we got lots of good things going on. I, I post things there more often than I do on uh, on CatholicFoodie dot com. Like um, sometimes pictures of of meals that I'm cooking, things that are going on in the kitchen, or if I'm out, I'll post uh, pictures of of uh the beautiful presentation, the plates that come out from the kitchen. Anyway, uh go ahead over there to ca uh, facebook.com slash catholic foodie and uh and and like us that would be very cool see you there and let's see a couple things I wanted to remind you of before we close out first of all uh the Catholic foodie newsletter first issue of the Catholic foodie newsletter went out this past week and man it was full of good stuff it was full of good stuff first issue we had Sarah Reinhard with a with an article there uh, about bringing Mary into the kitchen. Lisa Jones, Lisa Jones, one of the blogging sisters over there at Of Sound Mind and Spirit, she gave us a uh, a reflection. It's kind of like a kid's mealtime prayer. Uh, Evan Duplantier, who is originally from New Orleans, so you know where you at, Evan? Where you at? Uh, she she uh, she sent in via via Aquinas and More at at AquinasandMore.com. It was a book review. A review of the Handbook for Catholic Moms by Lisa Hindi, Wonderful review on that book she sent over uh, to me and that is in there. That's in the newsletter. How to Bake Bread in 5 Minutes a Day, which I really, really needed to read by Lexi Rodrigo. Lexi is a wonderful friend of the Catholic Foodie. You'll find links to her website there in the newsletter. I provided a recipe. The recipe was for Smothered Seven Steak. Very good. Yours truly, that came from me. Also, I give I gave a, a suggested prayer before meals for October, the month of October, and uh, a book project update and an announcement. And that announcement I'm going to give to you right now is also well, is about Catholic Foodie Coffee. About Catholic Foodie Coffee. So I'm going to launch into that just for a second. But before I do, if you have not yet signed up, or subscribed to the newsletter, you can do so by going to CatholicFoodie.com slash newsletter. Sign up right there. You just put in your email address and uh, and you opt in. We, get, we send you an email back saying make sure that you are really wanting to get the newsletter. And you say yes, and then that's it. You'll get it from now on. What I'm doing is I'm trying to go back to those who subscribed after the first issue went out. I'm trying to go back as I get those notifications and send you personally, send you the newsletter. So if you have not yet signed up and and subscribed for it, go ahead and do that, and I will email you the newsletter as soon as possible. Uh, Now, Catholic Foodie Coffee, we now have Catholic Foodie Coffee available. I've been talking about it for the last week or so uh, on Faith and Family Live podcast, also last episode of Catholic Foodie. However, we had some issues with the shipping uh, on the website, trying to get that straight. We have now got that straight, so you have... At your disposal here, available for you for you, Catholic Foodie Coffee, whole bean coffee, hand roasted, the freshest coffee you will ever find. This stuff is roasted on Tuesday. It is shipped on Wednesday. So if you place an order there at catholicfoodie.com slash coffee, if you place an order there uh, any time during the week prior to that Tuesday, you know. So if you, for instance, if you place an order on Wednesday or Thursday of uh, of this week. Well, it wouldn't ship until the following Wednesday because we want it to be as fresh as possible. So we'll wait and we'll hold that. We roast it on Tuesday. We ship it on Wednesday. Uh, dark roast, medium roast, decaf, your pick, whole bean coffee. Wonderful stuff. Good, good stuff. And uh, I'm going to put a, a, a picture on uh, CatholicFruity.com of the label that goes right there on the coffee. Yeah, it's really Cool. And in addition to getting great coffee, you will also be helping out the apostolate that we have going on here at The Catholic Foodie, which is to bring the faith, to bring the faith to people through food. We want to uh, to uh, help people to grow spiritually, grow in their faith. And we do that by talking about something everybody likes to talk about, which is food. So you can help us out uh, by buying coffee. Buy your coffee from The Catholic Foodie, catholicfoodie.com slash Coffee. Once again, if you have anything you'd like to say to the Catholic Foodie, give me a call, nine eight five-six three five-four nine seven four, or email me at Jeff at com. The Catholic Foodie Cookbook Project launches this week, folks. Launches this week. So keep your eye open at CatholicFoodie.com. Uh the, the actual site for the cookbook project itself is cookbook.catholicfoodie.com. Please go over there, check that out. It's not up yet. But this week we begin. I will try to Ustream the uh, the episodes of that new feed that will be going out, the Cookbook Project feed. And I'll give you more details there on CatholicFruity.com once the first episode is posted. But uh, just to let you know, it is starting. And please, 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 please support this project with your prayers. Definitely need your prayers. Uh, this book is going to become a reality, and it's going to become a reality with your help both in comments and suggestions and also by your prayers. Thank you so much for your prayers. I really appreciate that. And until next time, bon appétit.